From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. When you're going after a new industry or new vertical, like so for us, it's prosthetics, right? And so when you're going after them and you want to, I mean, for them, just a outlay of kind of how they work is everything is in plaster. Everything is a lamination. Uh, it's fiberglass or it's carbon fiber. It's pre-preg. It's a lot of that stuff. And so um, it's a, basically they're taking a cast of a person's limb and they're going to take it in. They're going to mix up plaster. They pour plaster down the cast. They let it settle. They cut the cast off and they soften and smooth up that mold out of plaster and they come back later and they either vacuum form something over top of it or they do a, a lamination layup um when you're going from that type of a workflow to hey i think you should 3d print your end your end use product there's a lot of stuff um that you have to help guide them so you're take, basically taking a seven-year uh, college educated person in a lot of these other in anatomy more or less. And then they do their residencies, which is a fancy term for apprenticeships, um, or internships basically where they learn and they tutelage under other folks and they kind of learn the tricks of the trade. So our digital workflow to get back to that is basically we had to go in and create and use different softwares to, uh, take the, the cast and scan it. So now we're into digital. Okay, now we're into digital. How do we modify in digital? Or do we modify out here? Do we, do we pour the mold and modify the mold and then scan the mold? So there are a lot of questions there of like, what is the most efficient way time-wise and with reasonably priced tools? Um, can we get things done? That was Zach Holcomb. Zach is a CEO and co-founder of Additive America in North Carolina. Additive America offers a number of 3D printing services, including multi-jet fusion and design expertise. Zach spent a number of years in the AM industry building his skill set around machine operation and DFAM before starting his up his own venture in 2019. He joins the show today to talk about that journey, and we spent a lot of time discussing one of Additive America's core competencies, medical prosthetics. All right, Zach, welcome to the show. For the audience, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, a couple of things about me. I've gotten in, uh, got into additive manufacturing in late 2012 programming a SLA 250 and a SLA 3500. So we were running some uh, DSM SOMOS clear materials on both of those machines, which is kind of how I got started and started rolling with all that. Uh, a couple of years later, we got a couple of Viper machines and started running a couple of more dynamic materials, uh, ABS-like materials in those. And then uh, we got into the uh, got into the HP multi-jet fusion technology in September or so of 2017 when that had just come out. And I uh, kind of got into that and was kind of getting in, into LinkedIn all at the same time and kind of having fun on social media. And so then uh, the video stuff came out in uh, late 2017. They, they, they gave me a flyer, let me start putting videos on there. And so we just started making fun off the cuff videos uh, around our HP machine and kind of showing what it could do. And that grew into two HP machines. And then uh, we ended up getting into carbon. And so we were kind of programming all, all sorts of different things there for a while. And then, uh, kind of was working with Brent Wright on some prosthetic uh, devices and kind of some development and stuff in there and just kind of saw an opportunity. And then uh, we kind of, we jumped out and formed out of America and got ourselves uh, a big, got into a lot of debt, got an HP machine and thought, man, let's just go for this thing. So that's kind of uh, kind of how I got into this whole uh, additive manufacturing game. And it's been pretty fun, uh, pretty fun watching it all evolve from, I mean, back then we were just printing models or 
prototypes and things to RTV mold and things like that. But to be in full production on, on production parts now is, has been pretty sweet. So that's kind of how I got into it, man. It's uh, it's uh, it moves, it's moving faster now, I feel like, but it's fun. It's so much fun. And can you go into a little bit more detail on kind of what was it like to make that decision to kind of jump in with, with HP and kind of get a machine and kind of sure. build, start building the, the production capability? Yeah. Well, where I was, uh, where I was working when we had the machine, we did a lot of RTV mold, like a lot of silicone casting and stuff like that. And, um, or urethane parts. And when we got the HP machine there, it really, it didn't cannibalize, but it, it definitely absorbed a lot of those projects into parts that can just be printed on the HP machine in a PA 12 nylon material. And it wasn't a material that a lot of people were used to or comfortable running or going with, but, um, you know, as we kind of, it was everything in this is it, as stuff, new stuff comes out, it's all education based. So the more that you can educate people and show them and teach them about this new stuff, the better you'll be, uh, kind of off. So seeing that and how much it was changing a lot of that, I was kind of, I was into, uh, business development stuff with them as well. And I was looking for that next big vertical and we were a smaller company, so I didn't have a lot of funds to travel the country or have a big sales team to really compete with everyone that was already doing stuff in like established industries. And uh, the that's we were kind of just looking at like customization at scale because that is what additive manufacturing is. And that's you know, especially getting to to end use parts and, and real additive manufacturing is as uh, we got parts that's flying all over the place back here. But uh, you know what's cool about it is is really getting in there and, and finding those products where you can just switch them all the way over. And, and start producing them. So that's what uh, what really kind of got me excited about. It. I was like, this is something that that can really work. Um, it can it can take out a lot of uh, a lot of need for labor in different stages and steps. A lot of those skill sets that were kind of hard to find and folks. I mean, finding finding true craftsmen and mold makers is kind of kind of tricky. But um, yeah, when we started doing that and we started doing the prostheses, the medical devices and stuff, and uh, putting folks on them and putting them through their paces and having some fail and learning from the failures and putting some through testing, having them fail and learning from those failures, we were able to kind of, uh, kind of get, get things going. And then it just kind of seemed like there were at this opportunity where we really felt like we were ahead of the game with our workflow, our digital workflow. And then also with our end use product that, uh, the next biggest that we thought that those were two of the three very big challenges. And the third one was getting our own machine. So we could bring the process fully in house. So, um, I think we just had a lot of things going for us and, and saw the opportunity and then, uh, things just kind of fell into place for us as we, as we started working down that road. So, so talk a little cool. bit about the, the digital workflow. So what do you mean? Is that kind of from the getting scanned to CAD or kind of your CAD workflow and getting a 3d printer ready? Yeah, exactly. So like when you're going after a new industry or new vertical, like, so for us, it's prosthetics, right? And so when you're going after them and you want to, I mean, for them, just a outlay of kind of how they work is everything is in plaster. Everything is a lamination. Uh, it's fiberglass or it's carbon fiber. It's pre-preg. It's a lot of that stuff. And so um, it's a, basically they're taking a cast of a person's limb then they're going to take it in. They're going to mix up plaster. They pour plaster down the cast. They let it settle. They cut the cast off and they, soften and smooth up that mold out of plaster and they come back later and they either vacuum form something over top of it or they do a, a lamination layup um when you're going from that type of a workflow to hey i think you should 3d print your end your end use product there's a lot of stuff um that you have to help guide them so you're take, basically taking a seven year 
college educated person in a lot of these other in anatomy more or less. And then they do their residencies, which is a fancy term for apprenticeships um, or internships, basically where they learn and they tutelage under other folks and they kind of learn the tricks of the trade. So our digital workflow to get back to that is basically we had to go in and create and use different softwares to uh, take the, the cast and scan it. So now we're into digital. Okay, now we're into digital. How do we modify in digital? Or do we modify out here? Do we, do we pour the mold and modify the mold and then scan the mold? So there are a lot of questions there of like, what is the most efficient way time-wise and with reasonably priced tools? Um, can we get things done? You know, we are obviously knew that if we really, really cranked it up and bought a $100,000 scanner and a printer, like mm-hmm. if we wanted to drop a million dollars, we could do it. But we had to get folks to change over from something that was very much set in its way, set in stone. So as we kind of developed the workflow, it was getting, all right, this is the most efficient way to get good scan data. Um, a lot of people are scanning the limb. Well, when you're scanning just the limb, you're not getting the actual bony prominences in the flesh. You're just getting the shell essentially. So uh, developing that and getting it to where you're still making a cast. So the prosthetist still takes his skill in his hand and forms in a cast what he needs that shape or that structure to be uh, for his end use parts so that it provides the support. So kind of figuring that out, we bring that in. Um, we use uh, Geomagic Freeform Plus is our software that we use to basically modify What's cool with that is it's got a haptic device, which is like a fancy mouse with a pen on it. And uh, what's cool is the process that are generally, they like to make things with their hands. They're very hands-on. When you tell them you're going to go to digital, they're like, well, then you're going to lose all my creativity and all my, my hands are my skill. And you're, what's cool is we take them in and we give them a digital model and we put this thing on and they push in on the model and they feel that mouse push back on them. It's true haptic feedback. And so now we're basically allowing that artist to still be an artist and have the same feels. They're just doing digital art as opposed to uh, actual dusty plaster art. And so as we kind of developed all that, that was a big deal for us was getting it to getting the tools that are adequate enough. And, you know, in anatomy and in this plus or minus a millimeter, you are knocking it out of the park. That's obviously not great in a lot of under other industries. So that was kind of a strange thing for me. I'm like half a millimeter is cool. They're like, killing it. It's like fantastic. So, uh, you know, it allows you to, you don't have to use the super duper expensive scanners and inspection equipment. Uh, so we were, that was kind of the thing was we basically tried a ton of different softwares and scanners and methods and all of this. And we've come out with what we think is, we're pretty proud of. We think is, you know, one of the most, if not the most efficient way to, to kind of get where you're going. And then once we cemented that as our process, now we're, you know, now it's like 201, like now the the devices are starting to add features and different things and dials that tighten strings that contract the device. I mean, it's really, it's almost like, uh, have you seen those uh, Nike shoes where they're like the electronic and you put your feet in them and you get yeah. on the app and you dial in how tight it is. So that's all <laughs> with uh, cords, cables, and dials, right? Yeah. We were able to make uh, prosthetic devices that have little paddle, like little holes cut out. And then we put paddles in the holes. And then there's a wire system that runs all kind through like the it. Boa, yeah. The BOA dis- devices exactly. type of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. So that's kind of the, I mean, that just blows my mind from, we were just trying to make sure we could do this, you know, not too long ago. And we were printing it with different thicknesses of material to get different responses with the same material. And then we were like this whole like paddles and all this. It's, it's crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> and what's it like to find kind of the right personality with, some of the partners you work with on the prosthetic side, do you look for like, is, are they reaching out to you? Are you finding them? Like, how do you 
balance that dynamic with bringing something that's probably so new to what they're used to doing and mm-hmm. you're kind of learning along the way and trying to figure out what the best approach is and getting their feedback. Is there something you look for in terms of who is open to that sort of collaboration and, and approach? Yeah, absolutely. Our biggest advantage is, um, you know, mainly it's Brent and, you know, Brent Wright and what he's doing on his LinkedIn. He's so, um, so interactive and so sharing and giving a value that uh, the process that are in, that want to be involved and want to learn and want to get into the new stuff generally have gravitated uh, to him because they're seeing him as the guy doing it. And so what we found is a lot of times is it's like any business and this goes for just normal additive manufacturing is getting in, getting into a new business and getting them to switch over to a new process is if there's, there's too many, and this is generic, but if there's too many old folks in there that don't want to change because they're cool and they're comfy and they've been doing it this way for 30 and they got five years left those are tougher places to break in. And when we get into those, it's the young folks are generally the ones that are, Hey, we can do this on computers and let's try it. And I mean, it's been very cool. It's very, uh, it's been cool to see the ones that are enabling their younger staff to kind of usher in this new era and to be experimental Uh, because without experimenting, you're not really, you're not pushing it. You know, if you're not, it's like any business, if you're not getting better getting, more creative or creating new things, you're, you're ultimately, you're not growing and then you're thus dying. And so um, some companies are very set in their ways and they are, they will just argue with us on the phone. And we just take the approach of like, like, you know, we're not trying to sell the unsellable and, and we just keep going down the list and, and looking at looking at new folks. But in general, a lot of the folks that want to get involved are coming to us. And sometimes they come to us and they find out about it and they learn and they, they do a two week trial and we rush them through, we run them through a little hour of showing them how to do it. We send them a sample socket to show them all the features they can have. And uh, sometimes they come back, they're like, the boss is just not having it. And we've had a couple of those where the boss was not having it. And then the person ended up going somewhere else and calling us a few months later. And they're like, Hey, uh, we're down here with Tommy's place. And uh, we're ready to go. We want to go ahead and do all that cool digital stuff. So that has been, uh, we've kind of seen that here in the last uh, eight or so, 10 months. And COVID helped toss that up. You know, that that really tossed things up. And that's another thing, you know, we think is if we can teach a process, it's, I mean, these folks went to school for seven years. They're not, they're not dumb people by any means. You take that mentality, that uh, type of, uh, you know, you got you to drive to go to school for seven years. You take that and apply those skills towards learning a new uh, just learn a new technology, a way to do it. You're going to be very successful in a little period, a short period of time. It's, it's fine. The folks that are willing to just take a step to the side uh, to take leaps forward in years to come. So. What excites them most about seeing the technology for the first time? Is it the speed that you guys are able to do all digital like the materials, like how the machine works? What, what kind of yeah, gets their like, eyes to pop the, up? Man, their favorite thing is like, you mean to tell me that I, I basically took set three patients today like they'll show up with like three cast, right? And we'll scan all, you know, Brent will walk them all through. He runs all the, the stuff on this and he he's a software guy. Uh, I just make sure we run the printer and the parts come out. I'm like, cool. Um, but he will take them. They'll take three cast. He'll scan three of them and they'll produce all the way out to the end CAD model of the definitive socket. And uh, it'll be in two, three hours. And generally the people are like, so I just did three entire legs, like three three patients taken care of. And I didn't even wash my hands. I didn't even get dirty. And we're like, yep. Like that's like, you could do it anywhere. And that's kind of some of the fun with Brent's uh, stuff on social too, is he did a, like a 40 day, uh, him and his family got an RV, the 40 day RV across America tour last summer for fun. 
uh, for a vacation and kind of educational thing as well. And he stopped here and there and did stuff. But the whole time he was on the trip, he was modifying uh, him and another guy, uh, Tyler here. They were mo- they modified all the legs that East Point Prosthetics and Orthotics needed during the whole 40 days. And he's just uh, they're pulling over on the side of the road and they pop the little awning out. He gets his computer and his haptic device out and he's out there on a picnic table with the KOA and he's modifying legs and CAD software and emailing it back to us. And we're printing it in North Carolina and and giving it to, you know, sending them all over the place. So that was what was really cool was seeing him. He like, he like stops in Colorado with a guy for a day, does like a day worth of training or a demo. And then he sends us a file and like three days, four days later, that company receives like the end use product that they worked on. You know, they did work on it on Monday and they're getting it on Friday or the following Monday and it's done and they're slotting together. So that's, what's been really cool. They, they like the, I didn't, that was faster and easier. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, it, it comes with costs. Software is not free, but you know, what's your time worth? And the coolest thing is a lot of times they generally look back and like, if I can do eight hours of work in five, then that means that I can see more patients and we're like, and there's no shortage of patients needing help in this. And that's, you know, like most uh, healthcare, you know, there's long waits for everything. So may as well, uh, if you're in the industry of, of that's your business, you may as well consume more of it. There's plenty there. And is that kind of the the main driver for them once they see that the process is like, that's the click is okay. Like, okay, we can just cut the time and, not in half, but in, and reduce it so much that as the throughput um, gets faster, we can increase the, the time yeah. that we can, can yeah. or le- decrease the time we can see patients and, and these guys can bust out yeah. the models and parts as fast as we can get them to them. Right? Yeah. And that's, what's cool is like, we're willing to help like in any portion of that. Like if you're a smaller, you're like, you got two or three folks and you don't want to, teach all of them how to do the CAD and you just want to send to us, like, we'll do the design for you too. Um, you know, we've got some clients that just, they just send CAD, they get it, they take a cast and they drop it in the UPS box and we get it three days later and they've already submitted all their needs, desires and wants and parameters. And we design around there. We jump on a zoom, let them check our work and see anything we, you might want to change here. Does the, does the alignment look right for you? How's everything look? And generally they sign off on it and we print it and, and ship it out to them. So all the way from there to, uh, hi, we have five locations and we want to get three licenses and we want you to train. And what those companies will generally do and what East Point does is they have one or two trained folks that are CAD specialists and the clinicians are in vans and they're running around and they're here, there seeing patients, getting the cast, submitting them. Uh, that's the workflow that we've got. That's really, uh, as we expand, is going to be cool. We've built it out to where the clinician can, uh, basically they're using an iPad scanner. So they take the cast, they go to a person's house, mobile, take the cast, go out in the van, scan the cast on the iPad, submit the, uh, the scan file through our Google Sheets. And then they basically answer a questionnaire, which is just all of the things that we would need to know from them. And then they submit it and it gives a timestamp and it, it enters our workflow. Our designers are able to go in and grab it, pick it up where it is. Uh, they note that they've received the scan. They note that they've started the design. They note that the design is finished and ready for review. Uh, they contact that clinician, they jump on, they review it, they approve it, they kick it over to out of America uh, to the manufacturing side. It goes right into our workflow, comes right down in with all of our other products that we're quoting in and out, and uh, it kind of rolls right on through. So that's kind of a lot of stuff that we've spent our time the last year, year and a half since we've opened up, uh, kind of building out those internal processes so that as we uh, as we scale up, you know, we could add we could add 10 or 20 you know, clinics to our to our workload and our, our staff doesn't change. 
our processes don't change because like that the printer just would run a little more so that's really encouraging to hear because i think what i've seen a lot in the industry is people don't spend a lot of time on those types of processes and Mm -hmm. it's mostly focused on okay let's get the machine in like get it working and then as they ramp up they have so many different jobs coming in that it kind of gets lost and you have these big excel spreadsheets and data islands all over the place but i think that's a really smart approach where you've really thought through the process and having had a lot of experience in it you can kind of fine-tune it for what you see as the present needs and then scale it even more digitally down the road yeah absolutely i mean like where what i experienced prior was in in a business that had been around for a while and then it was trying to as they grew it just got out of hand and then it was like how do how do we fix this and then it was well for those things we'll do it this way and for these things we'll do it this way and it was just when we started this thing i was like from the jump bro we gotta be we gotta be i know it takes more time now and i know it sounds really stupid and i i'm with you but when you can take a week's vacation and everything rocks and rolls because it's the process it's not the person then that's going to be you know that's the business that's building a business to me it's you know could i could we could me and two people probably run around and do this all ourselves and save a lot of labor absolutely i know i could because we did it uh you know we've done it before but um to build it so that when we get to five and ten and twenty x what we want what we are now which is where we're that's our vision. Our vision is much larger. And we think that we think that by getting into this digital uh, workflow early, we're able to grab the independent clinics and offices and get them to switch over before the big behemoths can kind of get the wheels turning, jump through all the hoops and do all that to where this is our now this is our process for our 3000 locations. We think we can go and grab a lot of the a lot of the independent market. And at the same time, make them way more competitive with the big brothers, big sisters of the game. Because you know, in three years, when when the biggest company and the second biggest company start using this type of technology, all the independent folks are going to already be comfortable with it. And they're going to have already stolen some market share in their local markets by being the latest and the greatest and, and promoting themselves. That's another thing we like doing is we're so so active on LinkedIn and, and stuff like that, that we offer that too. I mean, your clinic you want to be on with us and be silent that's fine you can like we can be a silent partner no one even knows we make your stuff for you got no problem with that i don't have any pride issues there but if you want we'll promote the tar out of you we'll say if you're an amputee in detroit call you know a new life prosthetics and orthotics and hit chris castile i mean we we will do those things and that's another thing there's a whole other advantage i think that we have is we can we can blow up the marketing for of real small business, a small practice as well, because we have the reach on LinkedIn and, and with Brent having sort of the, um, you know, the influence that he's got in the industry because of how much he's sharing and what he's really doing. Um, it's a, it's a heck of a platform. That's kind of what we're trying to do with the, you know, consumer market or consumer products market, drones, automation companies, things like that. These are smaller companies, uh, three to 10 people generally that are, are pumping out these, these products and, if we're able to help them promote and market their page that has 112 followers because we've got five or 6,000, you know, that's great. That's an extra advantage that we have, um, you know, against other folks that are just, that make parts and send them to them and say, there you go. You know, when we can get on there and say, Hey, Savage Automation is making awesome end of arm tooling. He loves that. And that's great. And it helps his business too. So it works hand in hand. It, it helps. It helps us all have more content. And obviously, you know, the, the content game because you're doing a podcast, but it, uh, it really allows us to, 
kind of have different things to offer folks. Uh, it's kind of fun. I don't know. I love doing the social stuff too for other businesses. Like it's so much fun for me. <laughs> Did that start organically? Like, was it just something like, Hey, like we should do this and like, it's a cool story and we should get it out there. Well, I like uh, the whole start of out of America and the founders coming together and finding each other and everything was all because we were using LinkedIn. So uh, Brent and I found each other on LinkedIn because we were both doing a lot on there. And then uh, one thing led to another. And then, you know, we're in business together doing all this. So uh, that was a big portion of our business plan of like launching is when we have, I mean, I think between the two of us, when we launched the business, we had 20, 25,000 connections on LinkedIn. That's a huge audience to launch to and, and stuff like that. And it's just grown from there. But um, it's always kind of been a thing that I thought would work. Um, just just getting it, getting to the point to where I have enough say and, and being able to be like, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, when somebody asked me one time there <laughs> way back when was, you know, are we a company that makes parts or are we a company, are we a blog? And I said, well, I think if you're a blog first, you're going to make a hell of a lot of parts. And uh, they, uh, I got laughed out of the room on that one and it's, it's working all right so far. <laughs> so it's fun. I, I love the whole social media thing. It's a, uh, it's a blast to me. I actually jokingly, when we started the company, I was like, well, you'll know when I'm like, I feel like we've made it is if we can hire people in the positions around us so that Brent, you can keep doing the design because that's what you're good. And that's what you love. And we can put people in positions and places. I just want to make social media content all the time. Like if we can get to that point, I'll just be like a CMO. I'll just like make content. I would be in heaven. So it's a, uh, it's fun. I enjoy it a ton. And I think that's like so exciting. And one of the reasons, I mean, I do this is like giving people insight into how like production additive manufacturing works. Like we just didn't have it for the first 25 30 years of this industry and there's not like you would have to know someone or maybe be at the university that has a machine or to like actually see what it's like to, to operate a business or do some of the design. So to hear you guys talking about the ins and outs of it and the machines and I mean, it's just really cool to, to see and, and, and give that story out there because it's just, it, it wasn't like, it's really hard. It was really hard mm-hmm. to get that inf- info if if you're not directly involved. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm with you on that. I mean, that's, I think that's why like a lot of the things really took off for, uh, for the businesses I've been a part of and for myself, just in person, just personal career stuff is just um, having fun and being very real and genuine and showing something that's really cool to a lot of people. And a lot of people have the ability to do this type of thing. They just think that their life is boring or like, that's just boring. It's like, it's work. Like it's worked to you, but have you ever seen dirty jobs? Like this guy's got a whole show centered around showing you some other person's job that they probably can't stand. Like, like it's a show about the jobs that no one wants to do. If that guy, if that show can be successful, then you should be showing what you're doing every day. Cause it's not, it can't be that bad. Like, <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. I like it. I did a little thing the other day with uh, like a HP group there. It just, it wasn't 3d printing related. It was just like a sales and marketing a group of folks and man it was like the most fun hour of just like just sharing what i could share about just being ultra specific like let's just just talk about let's just talk linkedin and for an hour and it's just it's almost just like data dumping uh what you know about something but to me i enjoy like some people are you know they throw their walls up about sharing stuff and i'm just I'm totally different about it. I'm with you. I'm like, let's just get it out there and share it. Like I didn't know it. And I learned it from somebody else and I didn't go to school either. 
go to college. So I really don't feel like, like I didn't pay for any of my knowledge. I just paid in time spent. And if you're willing to spend time to learn it for me, then you're putting in the same effort that I did. I just might collate, you know, maybe I'll take a 15 minute video and make it 30 seconds for you. And that, you know, all right, I saved you some time, but like, I'm enjoying it. And it, it's almost like a refresher course, like, you know, who passes the test the best, the teacher. So, and the only reason she's really good is because she's taught and given that test, you know, 18 years in a row now. So it makes you more proficient as a practitioner as well to, to go over things too. So it's also cool. Like I sometimes forget things and then they come up in conversation and I'm like, shoot, that's right. I haven't even been doing that. I need to get back on myself a little bit. I like, I kind of come out of events too, or things like that. I'm like self-evaluating myself. Like, man, I just chewed myself out right there. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But and so over the, the, the time that you've kind of built the digital workflow in, in the process and you've got kind of the, the marketing piece, kind of what elements of kind of the, the printing post-processing has either changed or updated in the way that you're thinking of kind of scaling the business to kind of bigger and, and grander visions? Are there any kind of key insights that you've learned as, as the technology has improved and changed? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's process driven for us. Like, uh, I mean, a big, like behind the white walls thing for me and in, in this would be, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to like a dental lab or like a mm-hmm. little fab lab for dental and they've got their, they're so it's so drilled in their mind that when you pick it up, you pick it up out of the tray that has all the information on it. And when you set it back down, the only place you set it is on the same tray. There is no setting it here. It's that, where does this go? It goes to that one. That does not exist in a dental lab. And like that for me has been one of the biggest things that I've tried to adapt into our businesses. Every part, when it comes out of the the post-processing station or out of the processing center station, it goes in a tote with a traveler that describes everything that needs to happen to that all the way to who it ships to and what the address is. And it goes in the machine and that traveler form gets put on the hook on on that machine that it's in getting blasted. And when it comes out, it goes back in the tote and that thing comes right off and goes back in the tote, like doing some of those, those serious process stuff. And again, it goes back to that. Yeah, dude, I know that you only have seven parts today and uh, it's going to take you twice as long to carry seven totes in here as opposed to just the seven parts in one tote. But that's not our process. Our process is everything has to be in its own tote because when you have 700 parts, you're going to be screwed. And it, you know, it's, getting that stuff and drilling it in and, and keeping it going is a, is a big thing with it for us in terms of like the tech technical side of, of post-processing, just automated blasting for us has been really cool. Um, different materials in the blasters to get different finishes and shines and things like that. Textures um, has been something cool that we've been kind of playing around with. We had a big manufacturing push for PPE there with the, uh, the whole COVID deal. And then that kind of what has washed away. So when we were ramped up, we got a, we bought a lot of equipment. And so since we've kind of flushed that out, we've used the equipment instead of just decommissioning half of it, we've gotten creative and put, let's try this media in that blaster. It's just, you know, we just got it there. We don't really need it. Let's, let's throw this in there. Let's throw this in there. Let's run this uh, PSI on that one for a little bit and see what it does. Let's go straight to shot peening instead of powder removal first and see what happens. So doing some of those things has been kind of fun and, and kind of experimenting, but uh, automated blasters has been are sweet (laughs) (laughs) having spent a lot of time blasting out sls parts i can totally understand yeah (laughs) Yeah, for sure for Um, sure and along those lines i imagine you have to you have to have that level of traceability and and traveler system because you're you're dealing with prosthetics with 
stuff actually has to get to the right person, right? <laughs> like you can't, you can't yeah. go to Fred when it's m- meant for Sally. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got, you know, we've kind of worked in a little serialization code system that we do on them. We kind of uh, deboss it in and into the print and all that. But um, yeah, I mean, still you pick it up and you don't know what that means having a paperwork, you know, it still doesn't tell you what finish it's getting. Is it getting painted? Is it getting shopping? Is it just dyed? Is it raw? So yeah, having all those things is a, is a big deal, especially for growing, for growing it out. So doing all that and then uh, kind of working in and I don't know, just trying, trying to continually improve things is, is uh, sometimes the, the team is like, man, like, can we just do it for two weeks and then change something? And I'm like, nope, thought about this last night. It's going to be better, man. Let's just do it. And we kind of throw it in there and they're like, <sighs> so, I'm like, eh, sorry. <laughs> And beyond the HP system, you mentioned kind of right before we got got on online that you have some other technologies that you're you're also working on in terms of printing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get into those prosthetics and orthotics industries uh, or, or practices. You know, the big thing for them is they want to be able to do something in house, and they want to take baby steps to get into it. You know, telling someone to go buy an HP machine and hundred thousand dollars worth of software and computers and a person to run it it's a pretty daunting task. So. Uh, yeah, we've got the new printer coming out that uh, Brent Wright kind of worked with and developed with uh, Brooke Drum and Niles Leonard. And it's basically a tabletop triple F printer that's been specifically designed to just run. It can run anything, but it's specifically designed to run a clear pet G material and, pr- and print a dynamic or a sorry, a diagnostic socket or a diagnostic prosthesis prosthesis uh, for patients. So basically the long story there uh, short is a a prosthetics office can purchase this printer from us for $2,995. We'll send it to them. We'll get them, uh, get them trained on how to use it. Uh, we'll dump them some material, get them all set, ready to go. It's basically, we dial in all the printers here because we're dialing them in to just run one specific profile. It's going to run in pet G it's going to run it in clear and it's going to run about this wall thickness. And basically we're trying to make vases essentially. We're mm-hmm. trying to present vases. So the, the platform is very small, X and Y, but the Z is, is is tall to allow you to do things that look, you know, look down at your shin. That's what we're printing a lot of. Um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Again, we call it the OP Pro. And it's a uh, it's a triple F printer that is just specifically designed and built to be cost effective unit get you on, get it, get you there, get you going. There's a lot of really high end parts that go into this printer. It's not your like traditional 2000, 3000, $4,000, uh, triple F printer. I mean, it's, I would say comparable because a lot of them ha- have these types of, uh, parts in them, the, the hardware, they all have the larger platform. So, I mean, it's, it's over-engineered for what it is and it's, it's designed to be extremely easy to use. You don't have to be an additive manufacturer. You could have never run a 3d printer before and you can pull this thing out of a box and uh, and plug it in and get it printed in, in 20, 30 minutes. So that's kind of the goal of the Gistrat is to try to make it as easy as possible uh, for folks to get their feet wet. So this, you know how it goes, man. As soon as someone, they, they see 3D printing, they start talking about 3D printing and then they get one and it's like, they, right. they are just take off because they're just blown away by it. So that's kind of what we think. We think if we get, uh, if we can put something on the desk in the office and get them taught on how to use that, that, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. They're going to get so good at that. Why would they, why would they 3d print their test socket just to have a traditional one fabricated at the end? So we think in general, that will, that'll lead to more folks doing the dynamic prostheses off of a, off of an HP machine or similar, you know, whether it comes to us or not, it's ultimately for us as patients having dynamic solutions. So 
it's just uh, our way to try and get more people into the game. And I imagine too, I mean, you mentioned kind of the BOA system and that, that you were working on, but as some of the, um, the practitioners get more familiar with 3D printing and kind of unlock different geometries or things that they could do with it that mm-hmm. you may not have even thought of. Like, I think that's yeah. going to be really super exciting to, to hopefully have better patient outcomes or mm-hmm. add some functionality or longevity or whatever it may be. That's an important metric that, um, that you can start to add into the functionality because you don't have some of the, the same constraints. Well, and that's absolutely it. And that's what we love about it. I mean, I think in, in general engineering right now, some of the coolest, most creative folks in design right now in terms of out of manufacturing are young people that haven't been told for 20 years, you can't do that. You got to have draft. You got So their mind is more open. It's more creative. There's more, there's more possibilities that their mind can naturally get to yeah, that creativity can really go. And that's what we think too. We're, we don't think that what we've created so far is the end all be all of socket design. There's, we didn't even do this stuff two years ago and we were 3d printing and we thought we were really cool when we were doing that. This is 3d printing. It's definitive. Check it out. It actually lasts more than two weeks. And, you know, we're like, this is awesome. And then we, you know, now it's like, I saw one today and I'm like, Holy cow. Is that's what the heck? And they explain how that works to me. I'm like, that is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Hey, you're the prosthetist. If you say that's going to work, I'm with it, but that just looks awesome. You know, all the way to, you know, we tell this to people, I mean, it's, it's almost like a great selling point, but it's, it's so dang true is listen, man, I want you to get into this because you're creative and you, you're going to show us stuff that we don't hadn't thought about. And that's, that's where a lot of it comes from. It's, it's, that's, what's cool. The community, uh, what we're finding is that community of folks that are wanting to get into it are also wanting to share with each other. So they're, they understand that they're still in business. They're different companies. They have similar goals. But um, they've kind of latched onto the community uh, effect of it. And they're like, man, if you know, you're in Colorado and I'm in Texas and you're in North Carolina and you're in Ohio. Well, if we get it to the point where we're stepping on each other's toes, we're all going to be pretty doing pretty well. So let's go for it and let's get creative and let's collaborate. So the collaborations has been what's really cool. And generally what is known as a, an industry that there is no, like they're very guarded on their techniques and, uh, something Brent is Brent and myself, especially we're, we're both very opposite of that where I didn't learn all this without someone else's ideas, creating, you know, pathways for my ideas to go. And, and if I hide all of my best ideas, it's pretty, it's pretty short-sighted too. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet either. So, you know, here, here's what I know. What do you, what does that, does that unlock anything for you? great if it does if you don't mind like please share back if you don't hey i'll never know but <laughs> in general it's cool and the community uh of young folks that are that have made the change are it's cool they all talk it's fun yeah and so kind of we're at the start of 2021 what are you looking forward to as the year progresses um both personally and for kind of the business as a whole Oh man, personally, just psyched to watch it grow. Uh, mostly it's watching the team uh, come together, looking in the different pieces and, and getting things rolling, getting that whole like cog going and, and uh, getting the culture build is 
super fun on a, on a personal level. Um, uh, for the business, we're super psyched. We got the new printer coming out. We got another HP printer, hopefully on the way here soon. And then we're going to be expanding to a secondary location to just kind of, we need more square footage. Uh, we need space to build the printers, the, F, the triple F printers. We need space uh, to post process parts and, and space for offices. So we'll be moving to a new location in downtown Kinston here, uh, maybe about April or so, and then uh, hopefully getting that, like I said, that other HP printer in and getting that installed and then uh, just holding on, man. The, uh, no one saw what was going to happen in 2020 coming. And we kind of saw that right after starting, man, we were only six months old and that whole thing happened. We were like, what did we do? <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just keep your head down and keep going and things work out. So big believers in that and just excited to see where things kind of take us. And, you know, it, it generally in, in a medical industry, it's, you don't get people to change in two months. It's, it takes time. So we're, it's, it's cool to see the momentum kind of building and, and snowball in there a little bit. So that's what we're excited about for sure, man. Right on. Well, hopefully we'll get to see each other soon this year, maybe at AMUG or maybe some of the yeah. other trade shows coming up, but uh, thank you so much Absolutely. for joining the show today and look forward to, to talking soon.